It's the Outspoken Offender Podcast. My hope is to encourage registered citizens, former inmates, and anyone facing stereotypes and social ostracism to move beyond society's labels. Welcome to the show. I have an interesting topic for today's podcast. It's called Abolish the Sex Offender Registry. Let's try these options instead. Uh, that's a big topic, and I want to I want to talk about it today because there are some uh, alternatives that can be implemented instead of this horrific sex offender registry that does not do any uh, any help in our communities. It does not make the community safer. In fact, there is evidence that sex offender registries may actually increase the risk of reoffending. And how, how does this happen, you, you might ask? Uh, it actually destabilizes the offender as they try to reintegrate back into the community. And what I mean by that is lack of housing, lack of jobs, lack of support, all of those things and much more. And just the, the feeling of, of, of shame being put on this, this list uh, this blacklist, if you want to call it that, or hit list. Um, all those things come together, and it actually may increase the risk of reoffense. In addition, in the registry, studies have shown that anywhere, and, and, and please, when I say studies, I say, do your research, and I'm going to mention some studies here in a, in a moment. Please do your own research. It can be backed up. Um, studies have found that anywhere between 10 to 75% of all entries in the registries uh, have some sort of error involved. There is an error. It's it's false. In fact, I looked myself up on on Google. I searched my name, and I come I come up on Illinois State Sex Offender Registry. I've never lived in Illinois. I've never stepped foot in Illinois. There's your error. There. There's there's an example. I couldn't believe it. So let me refer you to a uh, a study here a time series analysis of New York State's sex offender registration and notification law. In this study, results provided no support for the effectiveness of registration and community notification laws in reducing sexual offending by A, rapists, B, child molesters, C, sexual recidivists, or D, first-time sex offenders. Um, studies also, or that study also showed that over 95% of all sexual offense arrests were committed by first time sex offenders, uh, casting doubt on the ability of laws that target repeat offenders to meaningfully reduce sexual offending. So there's some, uh, facts and studies to support my argument today. Now let's move on on some options that we could try as a community, as a state, as a nation. Um, restorative justice. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, um, but I'm 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 a fan. <laughs> I support restorative justice when possible, when it's a safe uh, atmosphere. Uh, it's become actually more popular in recent years as the criminal justice reform movement has gained some steam. Though its roots, which inter is interesting, it could be traced back to indigenous communities around the globe, some native communities actually historically focused more on restoring harmony after a violation rather than punishment. Uh, in fact, First Nations tribes in Canada and Alaska often used circles to resolve conflicts that considered how the community could be healed after an offense. 
Now, there is a program that has been established in portions of the United States, in Australia and some other countries, but not, not enough. We don't see it enough. It's called Circles of Support and Accountability, uh, COSA, C-O-S-A. Uh, these involve groups of trained community volunteers who support sex offenders after their release from prison. These involve groups of trained community volunteers who support sex offenders after their release from prison. And the research of COSA suggests that this approach can help reduce reoffending and reintegrate offenders into the community. So that's some great news that is very positive. So let's let's talk about it more. Uh, community volunteers who have worked with sex offenders in COSA have reported positive outcomes from the experience. Uh, it has increased, you know, a sense of community for the former offender, self-worth, which is big. Okay, so let's back this up. Does COSA, Circles of Support and Accountability, could it work? And I, I think it could, definitely. Uh, results from a randomized controlled trial in Minnesota, Journal of Experimental Criminology. That is the actual title of the study. Listen to this. You're not going to believe this. When I read this, I'm like, it, it, it made me excited, happy about it, but it I, I wonder why it's not implement, implemented in more places. The results suggest COSA significantly reduced sexual recidivism, lowering the risk of rearrest for a new offense by, get this, yes, you're good. I can't believe it, 88%. Well, I can believe it because I know the program works and there's proof. Also, the program has generated an estimated $2 million in cost savings to the state resulting in a benefit of over $40,000 per participant. So it's cheaper. It has uh, better results for keeping the community safer. Now, there are some people that are against this. Uh, I, I recently came upon an article by Michael Dulce. He is on the board of directors of the Florida Council Against Sexual Violence and was the former political committee chair of Protect Our Kids First. What words stuck out in that sentence there? Florida. I'm sorry if you're if you're listening from Florida. I apologize, but that is, it, it's got to be the worst state to live as a registrant. Florida is the worst. Anyway, what does Michael say about the uh, COSA program or uh, restorative justice in general? He says, "Quote: The reality is that I believe the majority of sex offenders are largely incapable of empathy. That's a lie." Two-thirds of male sex offenders will reoffend if they are not treated and restrained as criminals. Okay, I, my findings against that is this. Of the, uh, there was a study done, and they studied about 9,600 sex offenders released from prison in 1994. 3.5% were reconvicted for a sex crime. Only 3.5%. Now, what Michael is referring to when he says two-thirds of male offenders will reoffend, that is true. But it's 24% were reconvicted for an offense of any kind during the follow-up period, not a sexual offense. He's making it sound like two-thirds of male sex offenders will do another sex offense again. No, it's actually 3.5%. Uh, nearly, and then, and then the study goes on here, nearly four out of every 10 
sex offenders in the study were returned to prison within three years of the release due to the commission of a new crime or a technical violation of the release conditions. That happens a lot. You're on probation, you're on parole, you go back to prison, but not necessarily for another sex offense. It could be a technical violation. That's technically not a crime, but it's against your agreement. Um, so when I read that article by Michael Dulce or Dolce, I don't know how to say his last name, that just made me pretty upset. And, and there's proof that his findings uh, were a little bit, um, how should I say it, not as accurate and he didn't write it out as he should have because it could be very misleading. Okay, so the second type of alternative program that can be implemented instead of the sex offender registry is called chaperone programs. Now, these programs are currently available in sections and parts of the U.S., although their nature varies depending on uh, according to their location. I don't have where they're available at this point, but I can try to get them. Uh, these programs involve the identification and training of offenders' family members or significant others who agree to accompany the, the offender during public outings on a volunteer basis. Uh, they also undertake training to help them identify the signs of like relapse. Uh, the difference between the groups, um, they did a study on this, on chaperone programs, and there's not a lot of studies that have been done. In fact, I can only find one. But the difference between the, the groups that were studied was statistically significant. In relation to recidivism, two chaperoned offenders in the study self-reported engaging in sexual deviancy. Two chaperoned offenders compared with nine from the non-chaperone group, okay? So I know this gets a little confusing. I'm throwing a lot of numbers out in this podcast, but so two versus nine. The study was uh, done by Farrell. His last name is Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L. I, I don't know if, it's, if I said it was a he, but it's a she. She argued it provides support for previous research by, quote, suggesting that offenders receive support from family or significant others when released from prison are less likely to take part in the behaviors that originally contributed to their imprisonment, imprisonment end quote. For the third and final suggestion is support and awareness groups. Now, these groups use a sex offender's existing support network to foster pro-social support and pr promote effective reintegration following prison. So it's a little bit, it's similar to the chaperone programs, but um, it's a little different because the members of the support and awareness groups are identified by the offender during treatment. And these people may include spouses, other family members, colleagues, friends, neighbors, respected community members with whom they have an existing supportive relationship. Unlike COSA, the support provided by these support and awareness groups do, does not take place in a structured manner through like weekly meetings. Uh, it's, more, it's done more on a less formal basis. Uh, so that's, that's definitely an option that has been proven. So uh, wrapping this up here, we know that the sex offender registry does not work. There are numerous studies that show and prove that the registry does not make our community safer. It's expensive. It's full of errors. It brings shame upon uh, the offender and their families. It has numerous um, collateral uh, damage effects. There are minors and youth on the registry 
that affect their future in college, work, and so on. And I just listed three options that prove that they help offenders not reoffend. I'm going to leave some links on my website, um, theoutspokenoffender.com. Go to that website. If the links aren't on this podcast description, please go to that, uh, that website. You'll see a blog post about this. And I am going to link to some of these reports and, and studies that I've talked about in this podcast because I want you to be able to read them and have access to them. So uh, there you go. Abolish the sex offender registry. Let's try these options instead. Have a great week. I'm the Outspoken Offender. It's the Outspoken Offender podcast. My hope is to encourage registered citizens, former inmates, and anyone facing stereotypes and social ostracism to move beyond society's labels. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm the Outspoken Offender. You can find me on YouTube and Twitter. Remember, you are not your label.